Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi there. We're glad to be back. It's um, another beautiful day, and we actually are in Utah right now, but I have been in the most spectacular weather in California this week. Um, We had our big annual Mothers and Future Mothers of Ayer Realm um, conference at Laguna Beach this week and actually just Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and half of Sunday. But, man, did we have a great time. And I'm not sure if Richard's on yet, but he will be if he isn't. So if he isn't, I'm glad to have a chance to say a word or two about my fabulous week with our daughters. We have four daughters and four daughters-in-law who are just absolutely wonderful human beings. I mean, they're great, but they're also good, which is even better. And uh, we just had such a good time. We planned for a long time um, about how to do this, the negotiations of when people could come and so on. It's been on the calendar for a long time, as you can guess, um, with all of the uh, people living so far away. We have one in Boston, one in New York, one in Washington, D.C., one in Phoenix, one in Palo Alto, one in San Diego, and one in uh, Hawaii. And it seems like I forgot one, but anyway, they are just all over creation, and so it took quite a bit of effort to get them all together. But, you know, I just have a little fund, which is so nice to have from my mom and dad's house and farm, um, which they left to us, and I am so grateful for that money because I can provide them the opportunity to come. Some could afford to come and some could not afford to come on their own. And so it's just a pleasure to have them and to be with them and um, to really have a chance to bond and to learn from each other. They're all just so bright and they're all so different. We usually have one baby and uh, sometimes two, sometimes three. But this year we had one baby who was just born exactly two months ago. And um, only, I was the only one really that had met the baby. So there were eight sets of hands grabbing for that baby and so delighted to see her, which was so I beg your pardon, nine, nine sets of hands when I showed up. Well, that's true, uh, actually. Richard was not invited, but he cannot help himself. He cannot stay away when, when we're all together because it's just so fun. He's kind of a ladies' man, honey. You are. You got it. Well, but it. look, I mean, what, I mean, not not to uh, not to disagree with you on that point, but here's a little granddaughter I've never seen who lives in New York City. No, excuse me, who lives in Washington D.C. See, I don't even know her well enough to know where she lives, and suddenly she's in California, only an hour and fifteen minute flight away. Surely you should have guessed that I would be dropping in. Well, sort of, except that we're going to see her again in another eight days because we have a speech near where they live. And so, uh, but that's all right. We loved having you. It was a great surprise. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a mixed, I can tell it was a mixed thing. I kind of crashed the party. Um, and then I tried to get, I just, I wanted to just get in and out. You know, I want my strategy was get in there, say hi to all the girls. 
and then leave before they got tired of me, you know, while they were still begging for more. And and I did. I just got away just at the right time. And they were saying, is that all the longer you're staying, Dad? Can't you stay a little longer? We love having you. Blah, blah, blah. And I just slipped out, and I thought, perfect timing. Always leave them wanting more. Don't don't overstay your welcome. And then I missed my flight, so I had nothing better to do. So I came back. I was I just was there for lunch, and I thought that'd be perfect brunch actually, and it was pretty good. And then I ended up kind of walking back in on you again for dinner that night, and I think people were kind of glad to see me, and they were kind of like, "Oh, I thought you I thought you left." <laughs> It was actually fun to see you, but the problem was the Los Angeles traffic, as always, he could not get back to his flight. And so he turned around and came back again, and, and we were delighted to have you. It was great. Um, let, me but, make, let me make a little, I, I know you want to go on about this for a minute. Let me make a little side point, just a point of interest. This I, I found it interesting. I wonder if you listeners will. I I was kind of late getting, my flight was late getting into L.A., so I I rented a car as fast as I could, and I raced out there, and I was kind of in a hurry because the only place I knew that you, all you girls were going to be was in a certain restaurant, and I thought, if I don't get there, they'll move on to another place, and I, I won't be able to find them. I'll have to call them, and then it won't be a surprise, and so on. So I was rushing. The point is, I was rushing, and I... When I got there, I found that you were late, too, so it worked out fine. But then I stayed a little too long, and I was trying to rush back to get my flight, and, you know, I missed the flight. And then an interesting thing happened. I just sort of surrendered to circumstance. I thought, okay, I can't make my flight. I'm just going to not worry about it. I'm just going to turn around and leisurely make my way back to where my the nine women I love most are my daughters and my daughters-in-law and my wife, and I'm just going to relax. And I took the same route that I'd taken twice that day before, but I noticed so many things. It was a beautiful day. The sun was kind of low in the sky. It was unseasonably warm. And I just had such a good time going back, and I relearned the lesson we all have to keep learning, especially when we're busy parents and so on. We have to smell the roses. We have to just try to live in the present and enjoy what we're doing. And sometimes that means surrendering to all the things you can't control. I couldn't control it. I was going to miss the flight. I could have kept trying to get there and ran in and hoped the plane was late and been completely hassled. And sometimes you have to do that if it's something you, you cannot miss. But sometimes the best thing you can do in this life, especially... I think when there's kids involved and things that are unpredictable, anyway, is just sort of surrender to it and enjoy what comes and quit trying to control everything. And that's what I did, and I'm proud of myself because I don't do it often enough. Well, it was always fun to see you again, and we were all crammed into a little booth in a Mexican restaurant, and there he was again. So we had a nice discussion, and then we went back to a little house which I had rented, and um, it was actually delightful. Um, Richard was kind of glad he didn't stay there too long because the ceilings were a little low for his tall head, but for us it was perfect. Um, I have to say that we always talk about 
uh, a book that we've read together. And this year I just chose one of my favorites from um, Young Motherhood, which actually became part of my fiber when I read it as a young mother, and it's Gift from the Sea by Anne Marl Lindbergh. And she talks so beautifully about simplifying your life and about relationships and how important they are and about becoming the kind of person that you want to be. And honestly, she is just brilliant in the way that she wrote this. She went away to the sea for two weeks, and she quantified um, life to shells that she found. And it was absolutely a magnificent book to talk about together because everybody is kind of at the young mother stage. Everybody's a mother except our youngest daughter who who really tolerates us well. And we always talk about motherhood. She is single, uh, 26, and living in Palo Alto. But it is just so fun to really talk about the difficulties of motherhood and the things that go on that are so hard and so difficult and yet so important. She talked about... Now, Linda, 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 I assume before I got on today that you'd explained mothers and future mothers of IRM, and and you you probably did it too modestly. Let me just say, because I can brag about you, Uh you, my wife, Linda, I'm just talking directly now to you listeners, this woman you're listening to today is absolutely remarkable as the mother of grown daughters and daughters-in-law. They live for these confabs. They live for these, these gatherings because... It's a time, well, for many reasons. Number one, their poor husbands have to stay home with the kids, and they get a break, and they and they eat wherever they want, and they talk about things that are meaningful and they don't have time to talk about in the normal everyday life. And Linda has this gift of being able to sort of direct the conversation and suggest things that they read and so on without... And I think you're rare in this, Linda. It's something most people have to work very hard on. You don't ever give them the feeling that, look, I've been through all this. I know how to raise kids. Let me just tell you how to do it. Let me tell you what to do with your kids. You never convey that attitude. And as a result, all your daughters and daughters-in-law love you and seek your advice because you don't you don't give it like a sledgehammer. You You wait to be asked, and then you... Tell what you think is the best thing. I don't know about that, Richard, but we'll continue this a little bit after the break because we did some very specific things, and I feel like I'm the one that learns from it. So we'll be back right after this. And so we're back, and we're talking about mothers and future mothers. Um, you know, when our girls left home, when they started getting married, we had three that got married in a relatively short amount of time, I started thinking, gosh, have we talked enough about how important what they're going to be doing as mothers is? I'm not sure we did that because they weren't mothers. And then as more and more of them have had children, it's just become more and more meaningful to them. So it really was. It's just uh, the highlight of our year. And now it's getting so complicated that we've decided to do it every other year. But um, that rolls around pretty fast because we also have a reunion when we see them in the summertime. So it really makes for a lot of family unity and a lot of deep thought. I mean, one thing that Anne Marl Lindbergh talked about in The Gift of the Sea was solitude and how important it was to be alone with yourself. 
And even I, at my age, I'm alone a lot, but I'm just thinking about what to do next and who, how should I do this and, and gosh, I'm late and all those kinds of things instead of really feeding my soul when I'm alone. And this is what she was all about is really feeding her soul and thinking about her future and what can, what can she do to be a better person and what can she do well, to help children and so on. She's awesome. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I love that book, too. I read it many years ago, and I remember one of the things that she says, correct me if I'm wrong, and by the way, this is Anne Marl Lindbergh, who is the famous uh, Lindbergh. They, had led, yeah, led, they led quite a life, and it was a life marked by some degree of tragedy because they're child got kidnapped, I believe. A 20-month-old uh, little boy, their first child, kidnapped from his crib and murdered, if you can imagine. Yeah, apparently, just, apparently it was an international story at the time that it happened. Yeah, but she she's a remarkable writer, but I remember when I read her book, I read it long ago. We were right in the throes of busy, busy parenting kids and career and everything and trying to find a little balance in our lives, and I, I remember the only thing that I was critical of in the book is she said, you know, you get away to the sea, and you have a slow catharsis, and after a few days, you start relaxing and feeling really at one with yourself, and, and I'm like, ha, huh? how am I going to get away for a few days? I can barely get away for half an hour, you know, and I think a lot of you young mothers out there who are listening, you might say, Oh, whoop de doo, this sounds great. I should get away and have solitude and I should go with my sisters and my mother and we should have some wonderful conference somewhere for two or three days. And and, and we don't want anything we ever say to discourage anyone. This is something we've had to evolve into. But I think correct me if I'm wrong, Linda, but the principle Linda's trying to advocate here is not, oh, you need to go to some getaway resort or you need to spend money or whatever. You just need to find a way, and I'm convinced anyone can do it if they, if they, if, well, if two ifs, if they want to bad enough and if their husband will play along. That's a big one sometimes. But even just getting away for a half a day, even saying, honey, will you come home from work and be with the kids this evening while I go do nothing? except maybe collect myself and try to get my sanity back a little bit here. And this little bit of time away, or with good friends or sisters or whatever, even if it doesn't happen very often, is like a recharging. And it is powerfully important. And what I think, Linda, is a lot of women think that would be a luxury, and they're so selfless that they say, Oh, I don't need that. I, I'm okay. I, I just want to be here for my family. I just want to help my kids and, and support my husband, and I don't need anything. And it's all—it's so easy to put yourself last and to feel sort of like noble about it. Like, I, I don't need, I'm not selfish. I don't need time for myself. And what we all have to wake up to is that it's the least selfish thing we do when we get a little solitude and a little time because you're filling up your own well and you can't draw from an empty well and people and i find women honestly do this more than men although we all need it uh men seem to find a little more time for solitude in the natural scheme of things and women don't and you cannot draw from an empty well and sometimes taking care of yourself getting a little time away getting a little solitude getting a little composure in your life and a little peace is the very best thing you can ever do 
for your husband and for your children. Well, I have to say that Amara Lindbergh also said, you know, it's not getting away for a whole day. And I, you used to come home on Wednesdays and send me away when I was writing books. That was so wonderful. But everyone does not have a husband that can come home on Wednesdays. So um, what she says is you should have part of a day or part of an hour every day when you're alone. And there are so many young moms out there now who spend a lot of time alone in a gym, for example. They have, gosh, we never used to have babysitters or gyms or anything else, but they they do have gyms, they have child care and so on. But the thing is, what are you filling your mind with when you're alone? When you're on the elliptical, what are you thinking about? You know, just what you're cooking for dinner or so on and so on. And her point was really think about something that feeds your soul. And, you know, maybe that's just taking a minute to read the scriptures. Maybe it's reading an article that's really inspiring. Maybe it's something that you just need in order to feed yourself. And I think that's just so important to think about. Um, Or maybe, let me just say, Linda, for some people, maybe it's just, and this sounds funny, but I really want to make a point of it, maybe it's just doing nothing. Because I think some people, especially a lot of type A people, are like, okay, I've got a half an hour now. What am I going to read? What am I going to listen to? How am I going to stimulate myself? How am I going to feed my mind? And, and that's great if that's what you need and if that's what you crave. But, but don't feel like you have to engage yourself in self-improvement every time you no, get I, away I'm not from saying that. You know, sometimes I'm not saying just that. go walk, take a walk and do nothing. You know, we we actually talked about meditation and probably a lot of our listeners know more about that than we do, because meditation is a huge help to clear your mind. It is so hard for me to clear my mind. And uh, we have a favorite uh, Eastern philosopher, and I can't remember his name. Can you, Richard, about the breathe in, smile, breathe out. Oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of readers. His name's impossible to pronounce. But, and but talk, talk, or something like that. Talk anyway. or something. <laughs> it's yeah. the simplest meditation but, technique in the world. But it is true that just quieting your mind is sometimes the very best thing you can do. Just clear things out. And so that you just have a void there, it just relaxes your body and your mind. And I really would like to work on that because I'm not good at it, as you know, Richard. Well, I think you're you're good at it in interesting ways. I mean, you have a way of uh, one of the things you're good at, Linda, is sleeping in in the morning whenever you get the chance. You're, I wish I was better at that. <laughs> I know every once in a while until eight thirty is just awesome. In fact, I also did a, a questionnaire. In fact, I started this questionnaire in two thousand one, and I just gave it to all the girls and had them fill it out. Like, you know, what is your favorite thing to do? What's the most important thing about what you're doing right now? What have you learned this year? What's your favorite event this year? Who would you like to have lunch with? If you could have lunch with anybody, there are lots of questions. Um, But it, it really is funny because some of the questions I really have to take myself back. And then I have them fill it in every time that I think about it. We have one from 2000. Four and then 2010, we missed a few years, and then again now in 2013. But I gave them the questionnaire so that they could compare themselves with what they thought. I mean, one question is, how many children would you like to have? And a lot of them are just baby little brand-new brides or not even married yet. And it's really interesting to see the difference in how many children they would like to have. Although I have to say, Richard, Asia said four every time, and she has four. So there Really? Yeah. So some of so, them really stuck to their guns. 
some of them, most of them started like five to seven, and then they went down to, well, maybe five, maybe four, you know, and then they went on down. But it really is fun for them to look back at their lives and see what they think. And um, you, know, you know, honey, I'd like to do a whole show. Maybe we'll do it next week or maybe the week after. On the whole question, I find so many young parents struggling with that very issue of how many children to have in today's world. And, and you know, you get such strong opinions. Some people are like, you know, you just can't have more than three kids in today's world or whatever. And others are like, sure you can. Why can't you? And it's a very... And, and I think there's a right and a wrong way to even go about thinking about it. I'm not sure people can always decide, you know, on day one, I'm going to have X number of kids. But but it's a fascinating discussion. And I think sometime either next week or the week after, we should talk a little about that and some of the philosophies we've run across and, frankly, what we think of various ideas along those lines. Yeah. I mean, just so many interesting things came up. We just assigned certain... T- every one of the girls sent in their favorite post or essay or talk from the year, and then we talked about it. We kind of assigned it, each one to a meal, in fact, two to each meal. And honestly, we had so much fun talking about these different concepts. Uh, probably lots of our listeners have heard one called Drops of Awesome, and it was so fun to talk about that. It's about this cute young mother who, um, you know, goes and she walks her child to school, and then she's on the way. She thinks, "Oh, this is so fun! I am walking my child to school. I am such a good mother." And then she starts saying, "But I should be walking my child to school every day. Why don't I do this more often? I am a terrible mother." And this whole thing that women do with their minds of getting, you know, thinking, "Okay, I'm doing all right," but then they doubt themselves and they start talking about, "But I should be doing this. But I should be doing this. But I should be doing this." And she was so cute. She said, every good thing you do during the day is a drop of awesome. And congratulate congratulate yourself on it. And it was just delightful to talk about that with all of these girls because they're all kind of at a different point in parenting. Our, our child with the oldest children has two teenagers. And uh, there's lots of drops of awesome with teenagers, and then there's lots of guilt and doubt with teenagers as well. And so we have for, sure. for them to bring up some, some points and some things that are happening in their life right now. And then whenever somebody said something during the day, like, I, sh- well, I should be doing this. Oh, I should. And they were like, wait a minute. Think about your drops of awesome. <laughs> and uh, it just there's such bright minds that it was so fun to really talk. Now, having said that, I have to say, Richard, that there are a lot of families that don't do so well together. And we don't want to put anybody on a guilt trip here. We hear sad stories every time we talk about this, about daughters-in-law that have left uh, the family with the husband and saying we don't want any more to do with this family and we want to be with our, on our own and do our own thing and so on. And but never give up. Understandable. The, point, the point is never give up. And we're about to run out of time, speaking of giving up, but I, I do want to say we will be in Omaha, Nebraska, and then in San Diego this week, speaking to some wonderful groups of parents. And we'll look forward to telling you all about it next week on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye.